Welcome to the fight with Teddy Atlas. I'm Ken Rideout, joined as always by legendary trainer Teddy Atlas. Today's episode sponsored by Dynamic Striking. Thanks for being with us. Teddy, awesome fight this weekend. Calvin Cater, Max Holloway. Max Holloway looked unbelievable. Calvin Cater looked like you couldn't beat him if you had a hammer. Incredible action. Cater took a beating from Holloway. What'd you see there? I see why again. I see why the UFC has grown their brand to the to the size that it has. They just put on monster fights. I mean, they they don't know how to give you they don't give any of these guys layups or slam dunks nope. like you get in boxing, quite frankly. You know? Uh they it, it's extraordinary. I mean <laughs> the just one after another competitive, tough, unbelievable bouts. Uh, it doesn't matter if the guy's lost three of his last four or two of his last three, whatever it was that Holloway had lost. Doesn't matter. Don't matter. <laughs> he goes in and he wins the fight in a, a brutal uh, exhibition of toughness for Kata. Just Dana White, you know, you you have more leverage when you're the man who's in charge completely and there's no other promoters, you know, in other places where you can go and develop your your brand and do it where you're protecting your guys and have a deal with the network and you're, you're only going to put A's with B's and the B's never win, barely. And sometimes it's A's with C's or D's. But not in this sport. In this sport, he's in charge, he being Dana White, and he can put all A's and A's. And every time you turn it on, that's why the audience has responded the way it has and has grown the way it has. So in the pre-fight analysis, I made a note to myself. Holloway, three years younger, but the more experienced fighter, former champion, has been in with the better opposition, Step up in competition for Qatar, for Kata, I'm sorry, for Kata. And Holloway wound up showing his experience, level, and ability. It also reminded me, Ken, in a nutshell, of what Customato, my mentor, used to say. And it was just his birthday. Happy birthday up there, Cus. He used to say, Teddy, you got two tough guys. Because it is a prerequisite to be tough in a boxing business or in a UFC, MMA business. You got two tough guys, Ted, and one of them is smarter, more developed technically. And all of a sudden, here's the scale, Teddy. Whoop! The guy who's smarter becomes tougher because he's not relying only on his toughness. That's it. For... for for the most part, that's exactly what we had on that night. Exactly what we had. And you you had the guy who was stronger physically. I think that's that's fair. Cater, uh, who was the better puncher. But those things can be offset. And Holloway, Holloway showed how those things... That's why it's called the sweet science. 
not saying UFC is called that, but in my sport, boxing, and I, 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 I know the parallel with the UFC, with MMA, with the striking part, the same things required technically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. You have to have all those things. The confidence, the belief, the toughness. And that, that was the sweet science at work by Holloway. I mean, he showed it's not enough just to be the bigger puncher. Not at that level. It's not. It's not enough. And it's not enough to go in there just saying I'm going to land the big punch. Because that's the way I'm, that's the way it looked. Almost like Cato approached it. Uh, that's the way it looked. Where he just came, the, his intention was to set himself so he could use his power and he was going to land a big shot. But that's not enough. Not at this level. Not when the other guy has a plan. And that's a big part of it. Holloway had a plan. He had a much more extensive plan. And he was much more versatile. He showed that versatility, those dimensions. I was going to say Cater looked like a polished boxer and Holloway looked like a polished MMA fighter. He had the elbows, the kicks, the knees, the movement. And Cater looked like a classically trained boxer. It, it, did you But I'll did you argue see with you. Uh, no, I didn't see it that way. I'll tell you why. I understand the question, but I didn't see it that way because to me, a classic boxer, a developed boxer, uh, whether it's just whether you whether you're making the differentiation of striker for the UFC MMA or you're saying boxer for the obviously for the fight business the boxing business they are they are developed that part of what goes with a classical boxer a developed boxer is all the other virtues that go with fighting the proper virtues the the proper techniques uh the proper dimensions those things weren't if if you had a guy in my game in boxing that showed up looking the way that Kata looked and I'm not knocking him in any way oh my god what a warrior what a samurai what a viking but looking just for the big punch in my business you would say he's just a slugger he's just you know he's just a guy in some ways i hate to say it but a catcher because he was catching so much a guy who's just there looking for one dimension out of a multi-dimension sport so it, it's not fair to say he looked like the classical boxer or he looked like the developed boxer because to me no he didn't because the developed boxer on a given night if he is that developed boxer that I'm talking about, he's bringing to the game more than power, more than toughness. He's bringing head movement. He's bringing understanding of distance. He's bringing a plan. And I didn't see that. I just saw a tough guy. I just saw a guy who knew he could punch and was looking to land it. But nothing beyond that. So no, I didn't see that classical boxer. And... I saw the classical boxer, believe it or not, in Holloway. I saw, I saw what I saw in 1980. One of my favorite fighters, 
Danny Indian Red Lopez, I think it was ABC, but it was the network. And he was fighting, he was defending his title. I love Danny Indian Red Lopez's story, where he came from. Uh, he used to have to eat sugar sandwiches because they had no money, no food. He grew up on an Indian reservation where uh, it, it was nothing but poverty. And his brother was a fighter before him. And when he was about 15, 16, he said, this is my way out. I'm going to be a fighter. And I have to be a champion. I have no choice because that's the only way I'm going to get out. And boy, he became a champion. And he was a favorite. And I, and I loved him. And, but he was a tough guy. He got hit too much. He was a slow starter, but he could punch like hell with the right hand. The same thing as Kata. Kata could punch like hell with the right hand. And Indian Red Lopez was undefeated. He was the featherweight champ of the world. Like I said, it was 1980 on network television. And he's fighting an unknown fighter at the time named Salvador Sanchez, 21 years old. Nobody knew much about Salvador Sanchez. All his fights had been in Mexico. He hadn't been on television. Nobody knew who this Oh, they were going to find out. They were going to find out. They were going to find out. And I found out. He took my it, he took my Danny Little Red Lopez apart, piece by piece. Now, Lopez, just like Kata, hung in there all night until the referee finally stopped in the 13th round. But he wasn't gonna, he wasn't gonna submit. He wasn't gonna give in. But he took a brutal, brutal beating all night. Why? He was so tough. Ken, he was so tough. Just like these guys. But he wasn't as developed as smart as, as developed as Sanchez was. And Sanchez just put it on him. Gave him a boxing exhibition. Showed him what the sweet science was about. And that's what I saw. I saw the same thing. I saw the exact same thing. And you can have power. You can have toughness. But there's ways to counter those, those abilities, those talents, those traits. And that's what the sweet science is about. That's what being at the top in any fight game, any part of the fight game, whether it's MMA, whether it's boxing, that's what it's about, understanding those elements. And Holloway understood that. So the other guy was stronger. The other guy's a better puncher. But how's he going to deliver that better punch if you don't stand in front of him? If you don't let him deliver that punch? If you use the things that I'm talking about to counter that power, to take that away, to not enable him to use the custom model. Always said, Teddy... Having a punch is like having a bomb. It's no good unless you have a missile to get to the target. Otherwise, you're just going to make a big hole in the ground, and when it rains, you go swimming. All right, cuz, you got my attention. Wow, go swimming. Okay. I hope the water's not muddy, cause, but all right, I get it. So Holloway understood what he needed to bring. So what did he counter the power with? Speed. His speed was much greater. Intelligence. A plan. Again, he had a plan. Get off first. Get out. Like Salvador Sanchez did to my man, Indian Red Lopez. He got off. He got out. 
He put combinations together at the right time. And he made a transition, Holloway. I've seen him where he was just a volume puncher, a guy that sometimes got greedy, a guy that sometimes drew too many. Like you're thrown to and you get caught in the middle. He he changed that a little bit. He made a transition. A little bit like Marco Antonio Barrera did years ago, the great, great Mexican fighter. He did after he had been beaten by Junior Jones. He made a change. Marco Antonio Barrera was just a slugger, just a tough guy, good left hook. Oh, just a real tough, throw a lot of punches. And after he got beat by Junior Jones, he made a transition. He became a boxer. And he went on to a tremendous, unbelievable Hall of Fame career, beating great fighters. And Holloway reminded me of that. He, he made a transition. I, I could see it, that no, I'm not just going to be only a volume puncher, only a tough guy. I'm going to, maybe he showed moments of this in his career, but never on this kind of level of consistency. And now he said, no, I'm going to buy in to be in this consummate box of this complete package. And he did. I mean, he did everything right. I, I had tweeted, Ken, before the fight that Cater was a really good counterpuncher, which he is. He, he, I think he, you said he's the second best behind McGregor. There it is. You got it. There it is. And he better, I had said that Holloway better be aware of that, which I, you know, of course he's got good coaches. He will. But he better knock on the door before he just barges in. He better not just barge in. He better faint. Knock on the door before. He did. He fainted. He got it. He kept him off balance. He didn't allow him, maybe one time, to really pull off that counter. Another thing that Cater, I thought, oh, he, I thought he was a, ter- he is a terrific striker. He wasn't able to show that on this night. But Cater has a tremendous right hand, like my man Indian Red Lopez did, <laughs> would always pull him out of trouble. But tonight it couldn't pull him out of trouble because of what the other guy wouldn't let him do and was doing to him. It couldn't pull him out of trouble. He had a great delivery system with the jab and the right hand cater, but he wasn't allowed to deliver because he was waiting in front to get off in his mind thinking, that's going to be what I'm going to do. And he never got a chance because Holloway used everything in Boxing 101 handbook. Everything. He beat him to the punch. He... he he got in, he got out, he, he uh, fainted, kept him off balance. Oh, my God, he went to the body, Ken. Remember <laughs> what I used to always say on ESPN when I was doing the fights regularly at ringside? Put some water in the basement, baby. Oh, he put, and that was part of the plan, too. You know why, Ken? So that there would be no, there would be no comeback. He knew if he banged him in the body, and oh boy, did he do it. He mixed it up so beautifully, up and down. He knew that would take enough steam out of this unbelievably tough cater where down the stretch he wouldn't be able to mount a comeback. That's what that was for. That's what that was for. It was kind of like, you know, you're, you're robbing a bank and you make sure that you shoot out all the tires of all the police cars. <laughs> <laughs> One other thing that's worth So they noting, can't come after you. 
One other thing worth noting is that uh, uh, Max Holloway didn't do any sparring at all in the buildup for this fight. He 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 justified it by, and I kind of get this, but I'm curious to get your take from a trainer's perspective. He he likened it to like NFL guys not like reducing the hitting later in the season in practice because I think he's had some head injuries in the past and some neurological issues, but he cut out all the sparring. He said he doesn't need any more contact in his life. He already knows how to fight. So he worked on fundamentals and conditioning. And I mean, he never looked, he never looked sharper as a striker. What do you, what, what do you think about that approach? No sparring. I, I kind of thought Maybe Cater, maybe Cater is worth a small bet here, given that he's such a good striker and Holloway's not sparring. I thought maybe it would be a detrimental, but it certainly didn't look that way. What, what do you think about that? I, I think it makes all the sense in the world. I've been there. I have older fighters; they spar less. Uh, you know, they have more miles under the odometer. I'm not taking that car on long trips anymore. Short trips, save it up for the long trip when I need it. It makes sense. I've done it, so I know it makes sense. I believe it makes sense. I'll tell you the key to sparring. When you're on your way up developing as a fighter, Ken, especially as an amateur, and then obviously early as a pro, you need the sparring to become that guy, to learn how to live in that element, in that environment, in that, that noisy, dangerous environment. To learn how to be calm in an uncalm place. You need the sparring to get that. You need that to develop mentally. Physically, technically, but mentally. You need it to develop. But once you've developed and you've got that part of the game put away, that experience, that understanding of what your responsibility is, how you're responsible to behave, in that environment, in that squared circle, in that chamber of truth. Once you have enough experience at that, enough sparring to have that under control, you don't need as much. He's 100% right. You don't need as much. Some guys still do it because they feel comfortable like, without it, I'm not going to be ready. But he's beyond that because he's experienced enough to be beyond. He still, he believes, he doesn't believe he has to have that. And that's the key. That's the key. So, and he has what he needs to mentally be that granite, that granite willed, resolved person. He got enough to understand, again, what's going on in there. He understands what, what is the difference between a guy who's good and developed in technical, physical areas, but not mentally, not ready to handle the ninjas coming over the wall, the ninjas of doubt, the ninjas of pressure, the ninjas of fear. He, he knows what they look like. He knows what they are. He's done hand-to-hand combat with them. So he knows that he doesn't have to go and spar 120 rounds, which some of the fighters do, you know, for a full camp, or 100 rounds, or 90 rounds. He knows that he doesn't have to do that. So for him, it works. It, develop, it depends on where you are in your career, mentally, mostly. So, yeah, I'm with you. And when you have an older car, again, you don't want to be taking it 
on these 500-mile trips. You know, you, you shorten them up. And you keep it in the garage. You do the tune-up. And then when you're ready to go on a longer trip, you're ready. Because you're not, you're, the spark plugs uh, are not burnt out. <laughs> Something else that I noticed, it looked at times like Holloway, like you said, Cater was almost like catching punches and looking to counter. And Holloway would hit him with a barrage of punches. And then he'd, he'd almost recover. Holloway would, and I thought at times Cater was letting him recover too much where I thought, okay, you let him throw his punches. Now, like, go get on him. And he kind of let him recover. So... It almost like gave Holloway more confidence to recover and attack again. Recover, attack again, and no counterattack ever coming. He was trying to counterpunch, but it was few and far between. Did you notice that, and what were your thoughts? I thought that it all comes down to what Holloway allowed and didn't allow him to do. He had a plan. It's too late to get a plan sometimes when you're there. You know... Yeah, it's kind of like if you take your kids, you know, hiking. You know, you better you better know the paths in the woods. Don't wait till you get there and say, <laughs> "Wait a minute, um, <laughs> which way is the lake? Which way is the highway? Which way is the car?" Yeah, you better know that when you get into the woods. Before you get in the woods, you better know the paths. You you better have a plan. And. It's it's a little late when you get there and you start trying to do it on the fly. This guy wouldn't allow, Holloway being this guy, wouldn't allow him. And he wasn't, he didn't have a plan B, Kata, as far as more than being set on his feet so he could be that power puncher. He was, you know, he didn't know the other guy, maybe I guess, was going to have this kind of counter plan to take away all the things that were his strength, that, that he wanted to be there with or wanted to be there for him. And I'll tell you something that we don't, that wasn't talked about enough. Talked about the combination punch and the speed advantage, all of it, right? For Holloway, the feints, the jab. Oh, the jab was a big part of it. The jab broke up his rhythm. The timing of that jab, bang, bang, right at the right time. Every time, to your question, that's the answer to Ken Ryder's question. Every time he had it in his head, he'd be in cater to start some bang! That jab would all set him. That jab would catch him in the sweet spot. Just where it disrupted him. A disruptor. It doesn't have to be a... a it doesn't have to be a building collapser. Just a disruptor. And it disrupted him. So he had the jab. He had the combination. He had the speed. He had the feints. He had the IQ. He had one thing that wasn't mentioned enough. The legs. The legs. So he could go in and out, keep more power. Subtly, the legs. You know why it wasn't mentioned enough? Because it wasn't Muhammad Ali-esque. He wasn't bicycling around, motorcycling around the ring. He wasn't running. He was, and I'm not saying Ali ran. I'm, I'm just making a, a strong point. He was just stepping at the right times. And it was enough to keep the puncher, the puncher physically and mentally, because that's what he was. Physically and mentally, he went there to be the puncher, to keep the puncher from getting off his big shots. You know, to, he, you know what he was? He was, he was um, 
Holloway was the bomb squad. <laughs> he he was the bomb squad. He came in there and he he disarmed the bomb. He was. He had a plan. You go in there. You can't just start pulling wires if you're if you're the bomb squad. You can't say, okay, let me pull the green. You know, because my wife likes green. I pull, <laughs> no, no, don't pull the green. It's, it's the red. He knew which wires to pull. <laughs> if you had been in Cater's corner, what advice would you have been giving him after the first second? Before we got there. Before we got there. In camp. Yes. But I'm still going to answer your question. Because after the first and second, I mean, it was obvious <clears throat> that he was getting outclassed and beat up pretty good. And I mean, it just got progressively worse. So I'm wondering, like, from your perspective, what could Cater at that point had done differently, if anything? Change range. Don't stand at the same range. That's a good start, Ken. That's a damn good start. He got caught too much waiting in front. He was the second guy. You can't be the second guy in boxing. He was the second guy all night long. He was a daylight and a dollar short all night long. All night long. Waiting in front. Change your distance. Step out. You're not doing nothing within a second. A second. One went down. Step out. Like the old timers would say, go downtown. Go downtown. Take a walk around the corner. That, that's a good start to at least do that. And, um, you know, I, I would have used the jab more. He was looking for the big power shots, but he should have he tried to offset the other guy's greatest weapon, the jab. The greatest weapon was the jab. I know the right hand was landed beautifully. The body, I get it. The combination, I get it. But the jab is where it all started, baby. And he should have used his own jab to offset that jab. So he wouldn't have been dominated. I mean, Holloway was what my shirt says. <laughs> Faster, smarter. You know, harder, they were both hard. Hard, hard men. And, and they both hit hard. But faster, smarter. You know, that's, that's what it was. And uh, he was prepared for that. To his credit, he, the other guy, courage... Chin, guts. I, I, I don't know how many times I said, oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, it was like, I mean, I, I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. What would you think of that strike? I mean, it's one thing when you see these great fighters, and they're great. Oh, guys in my business, taking a punt. But when, when you calculate in here, Ken, that these, mix, these are with four-ounce gloves, almost bare fists, right? Not 10-ounce gloves. And elbows. Oh, and knees. And kicks. Oh, I got, a, I got a headache. Give me a minute. What would you think of that strike that Holloway kept hitting him with where he would step in with an almost like an overhand right elbow where the elbow would come down right on top of uh, Cater's head, which eventually cut his head open real bad, which was causing the majority of the blood. It was savage. I, it was yeah, I mean, listen, creative, savage, creative creative uh you know mixing it up how about i saw a combination uh, you know i am used to seeing a right hand to the body maybe you're right that's creative right hand underneath right hand on top right hand to the body left hook to you know to mix it up i saw a right knee and then the right hand <laughs> <laughs> wow wow i mean give credit to his coaches too let's not leave them out they did a superlative job getting this guy ready for this fight and for this style. 
Because whether it's MMA or boxing, it is about the styles. Yeah. And he was ready for the style of Kata. He was, I mean, supremely ready. Supremely ready for it. I saw you were like a tweeting maniac during this fight. I want to highlight some of the tweets because they got a ton of attention on Twitter. Um, the one in particular I wanted to ask you about is um, you wrote, these men are different like great explorers of centuries past where they go to places others said were off limits because they needed to know what's there. Wow. That was a great tweet. Uh, thank you. Yeah, that's uh, Ken. I tweeted it because I felt it. And I saw it. I saw the reality of this. And I just felt these people need credit. I know they get credit. Don't get me. They get a $50,000 bonus for that performance. They they get the, the applause and the respect of us and the crowds. Um, but I wanted everyone to understand really, really deeply how special these guys are. They are like explorers. Back in the days when those seas, they're still scary, but when they used to hit those seas, those explorers, to find new lands, Ken, they didn't have the equipment that they have today with radar and sonar and all those things. All they had was their their courage, their will to get there, you know, their understanding of, you know, how to maneuver in the sea, but they had big wooden boats in that sea. Hand, oh, my hand God. Handmade wooden boats and a, what do you call the thing, Rob, a scepter? The navigating tool, like an old-fashioned yeah, uh, I hope it's, scepter I hope, and a compass. I hope it's not cloudy out, you know. Because <laughs> where would that start? Where, where is that guy? But, and they're out there, and they're looking for new places, and they, they don't even know the courage it took and determination to be an explorer in those days. They didn't even know if the earth was round. That's what I was just going to say. They were like, they, they still thought it was flat. So they thought, gee, if I go past this place where we've never been before, <laughs> I might fall into oblivion, into like space. <laughs> I think Kyrie Irving thinks that that's still the case. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, uh, how, you handle the tweets when they come in. Uh, on, you, <laughs> the, the other one that I wanted to talk about is well. One, let me just uh, finish uh, on uh, that one. I, oh, sorry, I, I, I meant handle the ones that are going to come in from Twy, Kyrie, and all his his folks <laughs> and his great fans. So you 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 take care of that. Um, <laughs> I don't know how to even begin with that. But though those that's what these guys remind me of of those explorers that had none of they had a compass they had the thing up in the sky with looking at the the stars and they the sextant, sextant. is the word i was thinking right. of. Sextant. they had a sextant <laughs> right and we don't have those but they had a sextant and they had the courage and just the the same thing these guys have the desire to find what's there that nobody knows that people tell them there's nothing there, there's danger there, there's oblivion there, there you don't go there, it's a, it's a zone you don't enter. But these special guys are like those explorers that kept going until they found it. Why? Because they wanted to know. Because they wanted to know 
what is possible? How far can a man go? Yeah, yeah, really. How far can a man go? And you never know to your goal. And you go further. You go further than people had been before you. You go into uncharted waters, uncharted places. And my God, Ken, that's why I tweeted that. Because that's what these special men do and are prepared to do on any given night they get into that octagon, into that cage. They are prepared to go to places that have not been uncovered yet, that have not been gone to yet. And in doing so, part of my admiration and respect to them is that they shine a light for all of us to see what's possible. What is possible? What is possible in the human will? When the human will is truly forged, truly forged in a, its own certain fire, what we are capable of doing and enduring, finding. And they, in that way, they teach us to not stop where we've been stopping. We don't have to go into an octagon. We don't have to deal the way these explorers dealt with tidal waves and lightning and everything else. And these guys deal with their own tidal waves of elbows and kicks and bare fists. No, we don't have to deal with that. But we can watch these men and we can say we can deal with more than we've dealt with so far. That's what they teach us. That's what they add to us. The hope they give us to be better in those areas. And that's, that's got me. They got me. And there's great fighters that bring that and do that. And they got me too. I just want, again, I want to just finish it by saluting them. And that's my way of saluting them. As an added bonus, I think a lot more people got to see this fight because it was aired on ABC, basically an early evening fight in New York, um, late afternoon in L.A., and uh, I would imagine when the numbers come out, if they haven't already, that they're going to be astronomically high. And what a fight to show uh, for uh, UFC's debut on a major network. I mean, they've been on Fox before, but not the old school ABC, NBC, CBS. But to have it on ABC is just wild. I mean, such an awesome card from top to bottom. But that fight was... No, it, was uh, it was tremendous for the whole sport. Uh, it, it really is. And hopefully people glean from it what I just touched on. Some of that. Yeah. Instead of yeah. just, uh, oh my God, the brutality. You know, I hope they glean some of what I just touched on. And while Cato was the explorer, these guys are all explorers. But while he was the explorer that night, you know, the more milder people will enjoy this analogy. They this is for them. This is for... This is, I love you all. This is for you. What Holloway, he was the conductor. Yeah. He was conducting an orchestra. 
He was a maestro. It was a virtuosa performance. I mean, it could have been, it could have been played at Carnegie Hall. You know, I mean, it was played at Abu Dhabi, but it could have been outside the cage in any kind of concert hall because it was fistic music. It really was fistic music. It, it was that that maestro, that conductor that I used to see sometimes when by accident I channel surf and I see the, the great orchestras, you know, and it would catch my attention. <laughs> I'm getting <laughs> you know as you can see I, I had a it struck me I had a little passion for it because one man was controlling so much he was controlling the bass the, the drums the horns the cymbals the trumpets he was controlling all this loud music that that could overcome you if it wasn't controlled. It could be just loud. <laughs> Think about mm -hmm. it. It could be just Rah! But he took <laughs> that. <laughs> he took that and he made it into something beautiful because he controlled all parts. He controlled when you came in, when you went out. Perfectly synchronized. Perfectly synchronized, Ken. As you are, as you always are. Along and, those lines, and that was you, you tweeted another tweet that I liked along the same lines with your with um, relation to the sea. You said uh, the fight truly is like the sea in the way that Holloway was the ocean and and Cater was being pushed and pulled like the tide. Holloway controlled rhythm and flow of fight, uh, timing with jab and distance and tough when needed. Cater only tough. That's like I started to show when Cuz would say, Teddy, you got two tough guys. One guy is tough and smart. Whoop! And that's, that's exactly what Holloway was. And, and he turned all that fistic music. I mean, it could have been Bach. It could, I know you listen to Bach, so I picked Bach. <laughs> it could have been Beethoven. I know you listen to Beethoven, too. Yeah, really, you're, hey, you're, you're very first. You're very... You're very cultured. You've developed uh, dimensional, and it could have. It really. I'm. I'm using these analogies. We're having fun, but I'm dead serious. He, he, turned something brutal into something beautiful. He had a tough guy that's looking to tear your heart out, and he was that maestro. He knew when to bring the horns in. He knew when to eliminate them. He knew when to tell the trumpets to start. <laughs> really. And that's how I see it, Ken. Yeah. And that's that's the beauty for, for real fight fans, I believe. And fighters that are doing it. Because Kush used to always tell me, Teddy, you get to the certain level, which I wanted to personally as a fighter, and then as a trainer... I had to get guys to that level. That's my job. Cuz would say to me, when you get them to that level, there's a power. 
And here's the funny thing. A lot of people watching it without understanding it, when they hear this word, they, they, they have trouble understanding how it's possible that word could truly be used in such places. But it becomes fun. It becomes fun. Because you have that power. I know it's a lot of people say, fun. <laughs> fun? Yeah, because you're not, you're, you're in control. You're the conductor. You're the one controlling all of that. You're the one who's saying when and when not. And when you have that power, which is the whole package of what I've been talking about for the last 45 minutes, when you have that, you have a power. And it's fun to know you have that power and that ability to control such things, to control the universe, control the lightning, the thunder, the rain, the hail, the snow, that you're that guy. You can control all of that. Yeah, that's, that's power. That's fun. Holloway definitely looked like he was having fun in that last round. Yeah, yes. I like those tweets. I'm glad you read them. I, 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 I hope people enjoyed them. I, they, I like them better. Yeah, it, 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 it's like it's like having spaghetti the second day. I enjoy it more. <laughs> I, I enjoy it more the second day. If people aren't watching your um, Twitter feed during the fights, they're missing out because they're always very entertaining and very insightful. Um, it'd be curious to see what's next for Holloway because he lost that razor close decision to uh, Volkanovski last time out, and um, it would be the third fight if they fight again. And, and Dana White said that you know that's the only fight that probably makes sense at this point for Holloway. So it'd be curious to see what happens there. But I got to tell you, for even if it even though they've fought twice before, I'm there for that. That's that that's two high level fighters. Like that's what you want to see, the trilogy. Oh yeah. Which one are you talking about right now? Uh, Holloway and Volkanovski. Oh, yeah. Definitely. I mean, I think that you have to almost demand that now. Yeah. Now, because of what I touched on earlier, Ken, because of the change, the transition, the metamorphosis, if you will, that, you know, he went from a caterpillar to a beautiful butterfly. <laughs> you, you know, that, that Holloway was able to make that transition the same way as the great... Marco Antonio Barrera did uh, after he, he lost the fight. And he became that all-around boxer. And Holloway showed that, at least for this night, he was that guy. I want to see if he could continue to be that guy. And can he be that guy with a guy that beat him twice, even though a lot of people thought that he won one of those fights? Yeah, I think he's earned that. I think he's earned that right to get a chance to show that. And I think the audience wants that. Well, that was an awesome card. And we've got another, we've got two more coming up this week. There's a fight on Tuesday and there is, a, uh, but the big one is next Saturday. We've got our friend um, Dustin Poirier in with Conor McGregor. Um, this portion of the show is brought to you by MyBookie. Check them out at MyBookie.ag. Use the promo code ATLAS, A-T-L-A-S, for 100% credit on your first deposit up to $1,000. So you deposit $1,000, they'll match you $1,000. You'll have two grand to bet with. Uh, 
Teddy. Dustin is a plus 240 underdog, minus 300 on McGregor. Um, I know you're excited for this one. I'm looking forward to talking to Dustin when it's over, but uh, what are you looking for here out of Dustin? Look, he's in there with the maybe the greatest pure striker in the history of UFC. I mean, southpaw on top of real good puncher. Um, I mean, we have some great young strikers now that that are uh, Alessandra, you know, I mean, so many of these special that are still making their way. Um, and, and of course, some of the greats that aren't there anymore, whether it's Silva, or, I mean, th these guys were great at, at so many parts of this game. I mean, the, and, and then, uh, Jones. Yep. I mean, he's a, going up to yeah, these are special, 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 but for just striking almost in the prototypical art of the way we look at striking, not with all the other, you know, bells and whistles that Alessandra and everyone, because these guys are so athletic, they're so special, they're going to be in their own place too. They're going to be in their own category. They are, when it's all said and done. And Silva is already, and Jones is already. But when it comes to just, for my business, the conventional prototypical striker with power, understanding, range, form, technique, McGregor might be the best uh, right now. Uh, at just that part of it. Not not touching on any of the other parts with the kicks and the other dimensions of it. So uh, he's in there with a guy who beat him once, so it's the mental... Look, I, from what I believe and know about Poirier and his character... He will overcome the first hurdle. You know what the first hurdle is? Getting over their first fight and the results of that. Some people never get past that part where they're overcome with that. They never get that out of the rearview mirror. You know, it's like the golfer that hits the bad shot, goes into the water. He, he, the rest of the day, he's finished because he can't get past that shot. One thing I believe, that I believe in my heart, my mind, my soul, that will not be the case with our friend Poirier. He will have that in the rearview mirror. He will be there for a new night and new ideas. And the experience that he's gained since that first fight is should never be dismissed or undervalued. And not understood to how important it is. He was a baby then compared to what he is now. A baby compared to what he is now. It's a, he's, he's a man now. He's, he's a whole different fighter and person. Technically, physically, and mentally, emotionally. That, that is something that does not get I don't think can't get properly worked in when you're making book on these fights. You know how important that is. It will show that night. Only he knows. So, listen, again, McGregor, good puncher, southpaw, tremendous, tremendous striker, good, tremendous counterpuncher. Poirier, 
a different guy than he was. The ability to block it out. New fight. I think a chance for a new result. Much more competitive because he's aware of what he wasn't aware of before. Not only aware of what the man in front of him is capable of doing. That's important. Very important. But aware of what he can do. He wasn't sure of that. Now he understands it. And what what constitutes that? He understands that part now. What, what, what... He understands what does paralyze you in there. He, he understands, like that old saying, uh, the, that great old saying in war, where the guy, the scout, rode ahead and came back to the troops and said, I've gone ahead and I've seen our enemy. And our enemy is us. And that's kind of what experience when you're young and you're immature that's what it equates into, is understanding how you're the enemy. That you are not mature enough yet, and in control enough yet, to handle what's coming. To understand how to handle it. He understands how to handle himself. How to not beat himself. That's going to be, a, that's going to be an entertaining fight. I'm dying to see that I one. I think it will. I think, listen, dangerous fight, but Poirier can punch. Poirier's a hell of a striker. Um, there's a difference with size as far as reach. The most important part is don't get caught in front of, like like Kata did. Don't get caught waiting in front. And don't get caught on the way in. You know, find a way, figure out a way to get him to come to you or, or for you to go to him in a safer way where you don't walk into his strength which is his ability to make you make a mistake and make you pay for that mistake. To make you create a hole, a space, and he fills the space with that left hand that's a real good power punch. Yeah, That's, that's what's in front of Poirier. I think he'll be ready for it. That's the best I can tell you. I think he'll be ready. I think he'll be enhanced from what I just finished saying. And I still, for those people that are McGregor lovers, I get you. I know how good your guy is. And that's why I say it's, a, it's still a dangerous, tough fight. But I believe Poirier is prepared better than, uh, as good as you can be prepared. And this part of his life now has, uh, he's at a better place. The, um, the co-main is actually very interesting as well. We broke down the Poirier-Hooker fight. We've got uh, Michael Chandler like we've talked about on the last episode, coming into the UFC, making his debut against Dan Hooker. When he was coming in, Chandler was saying he only wanted like the top two or three guys. They're putting him in with Hooker. On paper, to me, knowing what I know of Chandler, and I know you probably haven't seen much of Chandler, but I would expect I would have expected uh, Chandler to be a much bigger favorite. He's even money right now, and um, Hooker is a slight favorite at minus one thirty. I like Chandler in this fight. He's he's an All American wrestler. I mean, Hooker is a great striker and a kickboxer. But like what we've seen with Khabib against Dustin and Khabib against McGregor, when you have that real high level wrestler with MMA experience like Chandler has it just seems to be a lot of times we see one-sided mismatches when the elite wrestler gets in there with the striker you got any thoughts on that yeah, one? yeah I did my homework so I'm up to speed 
I, I wasn't going to let you uh, take all the thunder here. <laughs> you, you should know that. Uh, I should have known yeah, better. Yeah, you should have known. <laughs> I, I did my work. I caught the best scout in the business, not not in in the sports business. He happens to be in football. His name is Teddy Atlas the Third, <laughs> my son, who works for the Las Vegas Raiders. And uh, they're getting better all the time. Uh, they got to work. They they know they have to work on defense and all that. But I gave a call to him. As soon as, as, soon as I knew <laughs> that I was up against Ken Ryder, I said, buddy, I'm up against Ken. We can't let him win. He said, bud, I'm, I'm on it. I'm on it. You got film on the way. <laughs> yeah. And I got the film. And uh, listen, I agree with you in a lot of ways. Uh, Obviously, if you're that wrestler, you have to get to the legs. And Hooker, you know, the kickboxing history that Hooker has, uh, that I would think if Chandler tries to close that gap to his legs, Hooker obviously has a moment to to be able to try to catch him on the way in with an uppercut something. But to get to the real stuff, first of all, Hooker, who's at a disadvantage, as you said, if it comes to the mat with the background that Chandler has. Chandler was a All-American wrestler from the University of Missouri. And they make good wrestlers, from what I understand, out in those parts of the country. Iowa, Missouri, all those places. And so he's got the unarguable advantage if they get to the mat. But one thing that Hooker showed me against Poirier, the ability, the ad- adapted ability, worked on ability, advanced ability to handle himself pretty damn good on the mat. He handled himself pretty damn good with Poirier on the mat and was able to escape uh, certain, get out of the takedowns and get back up when he had to. So, he showed me that. Sometimes you don't have to win in those areas. You just have to survive in those areas to get to your strength again. I used to train fighters that were never going to be great inside fighters, Ken. And I used to tell them, look, we don't have to be great on the inside because we're going to be great on the outside. But we want to be able to at least survive and hold our own on the inside. And that's kind of a little bit of how I handicapped this fight from my eyes that Hooker can survive. He doesn't want to be there too long. There's no doubt that Chandler has the big edge. Now, to me, the big thing is when I watch Chandler, he's a pretty damn good striker too. He's got a good right hand, nice and straight, and he's tricky with it. What do I mean? I've seen him trick guys where he'll throw it in a tricky way where, again, I've always talked about it's not enough to have power. You have to have a way of conveying it, a missile, so to speak, uh, a technique, a vehicle to convey it to the target, right? And he has that. He'll slip over to his left like he's doing something there to get your eyes to go there, bang, and he'll throw the right hand. And he doesn't only throw it to the chin. He throws it behind the ear. He's pretty damn good at that. Pretty and, and that throws you equilibrium. So Chandler's pretty damn good at his form with striking. He goes to the body with that right hand. He go, he knows how to deliver to the head. 
Uh, he, he's, he's good with that. Hooker, of course, is very verse tough and very verse at the stand-up, you know, the striking. There's no doubt about it. The, the pitfalls for Hooker is he something that should be a strength doesn't always equate to a strength for him. He's taller than most guys. He's going to be four inches. Let me just look at my notes. I, I want to make sure I'm accurate. That he's going to be four inches taller than Chandler. Um, I want to make sure. Yeah, that's accurate. So he's going to be four, four inches. He's four years younger, too, uh, Hooker. But he's also four inches taller than Chandler. Here's the thing. Here's the problem. I used to say this on ESPN all the time. It's not enough to be tall to have an advantage. You have to know how to fight tall. Hooker has the advantage of being taller in the stand-up with Chandler, four inches taller, as I said. But he doesn't always know how to fight tall. In a Poirier fight, he had that advantage too. But he allowed Poirier to get and Poirier was smart. He, he drew him in sometimes. But for the most part, he got Hooker to fight small. Where Hooker is more than ready to oblige you <laughs> to fight in a phone booth, even though he's so tall. He'll go fight you in a freaking, in, 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 a, in a little old-fashioned phone booth in a hotel lobby. And we love it, and we love him for it, but it's to his detriment sometimes. He gives up that length. He gives up that height. And instead of throwing the punches straight, he gets in close and he starts bending the elbow. And when you're bending the elbow, guess what that means? That means you're close to the guy. That means he can hit you too. And I can see him in those kind of engagements. Because, again, it doesn't take much to get this guy to engage with you. To give up his height. So that... That's an advantage if Hooker uses it, but through the fight, I haven't seen him consistently use that height advantage. So he's going to engage with Chandler. That means it's going to be an interesting, good fight. And Hooker's tough. He's got a good chin. Uh, he ran out of petrol a little bit in the fifth round with Poirier. A little bit. A little bit. But um, he'll be ready. Uh, again, because of his willingness, hooker, of engaging with you, he'll throw that, that four-inch advantage right out the window. He'll wind up being in close quarters. Uh, at that point, Chandler, I've seen him throw nice straight punches as I touched. And hooker, when he gets close, gives you a chance to punch inside with him. When he starts throwing those round punches, he gives you a chance to throw in those alleys right here, right here, right down the middle. So that's an opportunity for Chandler with the straight punches to go right in between those wide shots. So that's the way I break it down. Um, it's a, I, I would not dismiss Hooker. Hooker's the guy who's been in with better competition. Hooker's been. In the UFC, this is the first fight in the UFC for Chandler. Uh, he's a formidable guy. Uh, he's four years older than Hooker. I, again, 
Hooker's been in there with top, top caliber guys like Poirier and, you know, many others. Uh, it's going to be a... I, I would not close my eyes on Hooker. That if that competition, that level of competition, knowing that you've been in that level of competition, that helps you physically, technically, and mentally. Uh, Chandler's... Hey, he might wind up becoming... Uh, one of those UFC stars that came from, they all come from somewhere. He might, yeah. you know, be the guy that comes into the UFC and, you know, barnstorms his way. Yeah. It's a great fight. It's a, I'll tell you this, I can't help it. I have, as we're talking about this as a cold feature, Ken, how much better are the undercards for the most part on UFC than they are in boxing? That what I'm gonna oh, leave. That what I'm leaving just to you. Go ahead. You'd have to be crazy not to tune into the earliest of prelims on the UFC. It's everyone who is in, on the main card starts on the early prelims. Everyone who's there, like you've said before, is tough. Everyone's good. You don't slip through the cracks and get into the UFC. Most of the time, you have to fight your way onto the show in Dana White's Contender Series. Another uh, another marketing genius play by Dana White between the UFC the Ultimate Fighter show and now Dana White's Tuesday night fight series i mean the guy has got it figured out it, 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 again it helps to own the whole ecosystem and control all the fighters and make them fight who you want them to fight but he's handling it perfectly in terms of delivering value to to customers because i would never miss any of the fights on a ufc card from the earliest prelim to the main event they always live up to expectations you get a few duds here and there and dana will typically threaten them with kicking them out of the ufc if they don't bring the excitement the next time and uh so again if you like what teddy had to say on the handicapping of the two ma the main and the co let me add one thing out. let me add one last thing one last piece to the handicapping on the side of hooker with his height, when he uses it, he doesn't use it enough. He makes himself too available. But one thing that got driven home extra after watching the Poirier fight, we did the fight champion uh, companion. Hopefully people enjoyed it for the Hooker and Poirier fight. We figured it made sense to do it last week because obviously Poirier fight coming up with McGregor. But the one thing that really, 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 really struck home to me, and I just say it in the easiest, barest of, of, of ways, hook is too easy to hit. For a guy that tall and that experienced with his background in kickboxing, he, he never really developed any real kind of defensive uh, responsibility or defensive technique. Uh, he, he's, he's just too easy to hit. And that's that's something that has to be figured in here uh, when I'm giving these fans the you know hopefully the the best handicap that I can give them when they're trying to make the decision which way to go is that 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 has to bother you his heart his chin pulls him out of those fires. But those fires get created a lot during one of his fights. It's it's like you're going around putting fires out a lot. Like like you had a bunch of Boy Scouts out there, uh, you know, camping out. Uh, that there's a whole bunch of tinders going on, uh, lit up all over the place. He he just doesn't move his head. He does whatever whatever way you want to talk about a defensive uh, 
talent. He doesn't he he doesn't use those abilities. It's it's not it hasn't been evident in in most of his fights. So that's the thing that he's he he to me he he's got to become harder to hit. But uh, he's got all the heart. Uh, again, he's built like a puncher, being wiry, where he can get leverage into the punches when he wants to. He can use his jab to control the outside because he's, you know, because he does have that height and he does have that length. Uh, it should be good, you know. It should be good. I mean, Chandler has that weapon you need to take away someone's jab, that counter right hand where he can throw that nice straight right hand over the jab to discourage somebody from out jabbing you. So there it is. That's everything. And uh, again, to just to expound a little bit on what you went off on, if, I know we're past Christmas, but if it was Christmas, I'd be wishing for boxing undercards like the UFC gives. That would be on my wish list. Like, could could these guys, these promoters, that forget about what I could call them, you know, starting with a very nice word like greedy, <laughs> but that's very nice. That no, that's greasy, greedy. You know, you can mix it. I'll confuse it. I'll, he said he was greasy. <laughs> oh, he just said he was greasy. I'll tell you, he said that those, are, but not oh greedy. But if they could just give us a a undercard once in a while once in a while the way that they do with the ufc yeah well if you like what we, what teddy had to say on the handicap and you want to bet on the fights check out my bookie go to mybookie.ag. use the promo code atlas you'll get a, up to a thousand dollar credit on your first deposit deposit a thousand you'll have two thousand in there to play with um teddy before we sign off is the um are the Tampa Bay Patriots going to win the Super Bowl again? <laughs> I knew I was wondering when you get to that. Was, <laughs> I, I was checking with my friend Bill Krakenberger, the best handicapper in the country, uh, on the under over, <laughs> yeah. on the under over for when Ken would have to bring up where it was just 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 banging at his at his at his heart, <laughs> the doors of his heart all day long. To, that he just couldn't let go of the fact that Brady left New England and he just brought Tampa Bay to the AFC Championship game. I just was, I, there was an under over. Uh, <laughs> you, to, to your credit, you went over. You went over. Because the Tampa Bay most Patriots. of money was on the under. <laughs> Don't forget about Gronk and Antonio Brown. They've got almost the whole team there. Yeah, okay. Um, so I think the Patriots are going to get a ring too if Tampa wins. <laughs> hey, if, <laughs> if you have any say, they will. If, yeah, if you could talk Who's, to the commissioner. Speaking of handicapping, who do you got winning the Super Bowl? Quick. Uh, you know, I have, believe it or not, I think Buffalo is going to upset Kansas City. Um, I know Mahomes was, was hurt a little bit, but I think he'll be back. I think he'll be, I hope he is. I hope he's back. I hope he's okay. And then in the game with Tampa Bay and... Um, Green Bay. Green Bay. I think Green Bay will wind up winning there. And I do too. at the end of the day, believe it or not, I think Buffalo, the real underdog, the real... You know, Cinderella, if you will, at the beginning of the season. 
Uh, they have a good defense. Uh, that quarterback is doing a hell of a job with the offense. I think Buffalo, I mean, I know the favorite would be Green Bay if it goes the way that I just said it. Uh, with Aaron Rodgers playing just unbelievable. Hey, Brady's playing unbelievable. All these quarterbacks, but uh, Mahomes, if he's healthy. But you have some of the great, great quarterbacks. But I just think that, I just think that at the end of the day, Buffalo really is a just a, they might not have all the sizzle these other teams have, like Aaron Rodgers, Mahomes, but they got the stake. They got the stake. They're solid. They are solid in a lot of areas, and they believe. I'm I'm going, believe it or not, with Buffalo Bills. That Not too many people are taking that one. I love the Buffalo fans. I think that they're second to none. They they they, they show up every week, and uh, I'd be all right with seeing Buffalo win it, even though they're in the uh, Patriots division. I, I like them. I, I'd love to see them get a win. Um, but anyway we got a lot more football to talk about in the coming weeks. And, and a uh, lot more therapy for you to get over the fact that Brady took them. I, I'm there for you. I just want you to know I really am there for you. I know that <laughs> your wife, your beautiful wife went and she paid for some therapy for you. If I can also assist on that, I'm, I'm there. <laughs> I'm a phone call away from you, brother. All the alternative psychedelic therapies you can handle. I've tried it all. Um, but... Nevertheless, lots of good stuff coming up. Unfortunately, we don't have any really big uh, high-profile fights coming up for the foreseeable future anyway. The Kovalev fight's been canceled. Shockingly, Kovalev um, found to be using banned substances. Seems to go along with the narrative on Kovalev recently um, from streaming the Canelo fight on his Instagram live on a network that he's under contract with I, it doesn't seem to make do you any have sense. to work at being that dumb no i'm sorry i i, you, I, I why am i gonna hold back i haven't held back on other people that i think uh deserve to for you to say for me to say that we say the truth here i mean do you have to work really extra hard extra hard to be that dumb Anytime someone gets caught using banned substances when they know they're in a testing pool, it to me is much more of an um, intelligence test, and it almost feels like someone that wants to get caught, to be perfectly honest with you. You almost have to want to be caught to be doping in uh, the, the testing window prior to the fight. Nevertheless, that fight's off. Two and a half million out the window, apparently. Um but hopefully we'll have some positive boxing headlines to talk about in the coming weeks. But we've definitely got a good one coming up this Saturday. And like I said, there's another UFC card on this uh, on Tuesday um, from Fight Island. So, Teddy, always great. And guys, if you want to hear more from Teddy, if you haven't already listened to his audiobook, please check it out on uh, Amazon, available on all the platforms, audible.com. Excellent listen. And... Uh, all the videos, all the instructional videos available on Dynamic Striking if you want to hear um, Teddy talk about all the different jabs, different boxing styles, um, completely informative and uh, thorough. So excellent value there, dynamicstriking.com. And uh, you got anything before we sign off, Teddy? No, I, one little quick thing. I just, we're doing it on Monday. It'll be up Tuesday. So it's Martin Luther King's birthday. I just want to say to everybody out there, um, happy holiday, Martin Luther King Day. But but even more, I just would like to say and remind everyone, if you want to pay any tribute to a special man, and we've had a lot of special people in our history, and we always try to pay tribute to them, 
But if you want to, the best way to do it is to do it the way that he started it, to care about each other, to just care. Because he paid the hell of a road. We, we have become, we're, we're a great country. And we became greater because of men like him, where we've improved in areas that we had to improve. Tre- unbelievable, tremendous. Just open your eyes and look. We have. And we can always get better. And, but we've gotten better. And we shouldn't forget that. And we shouldn't forget how. We got there by caring. We got there by walking on a road that was paved in many ways by men like MLK, Dr. Martin Luther King. Let's keep walking on that road. Let's not go backwards on it. Let's keep going forward on it. Let's not create holes in it and potholes in it. No, let's keep it paved the way this great man paved it for us. Please. Love you all. Happy day. Thanks for listening to the podcast. You're the best.